What's up? Ready to get our transcendence on? You guys just want to do another Captain America podcast? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, who poisoned my cake? I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad uh, About Movies. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week, we break down movie news, rumors and rumblings, and a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen it, because we will warn you before we head into spoiler territory. Make sure to stay tuned to the end of the show for our weekly recommends, in which we each suggest something that you need to check out as soon as you can. And remember, you can find all our episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's chosen movie of the week is what, Brian? This week we're going to be talking about transcendence. The path to building superintelligence requires us to unlock the most fundamental secrets of the universe. Imagine a machine with a full range of human emotion. Its analytical power will be greater than the collective intelligence of every person. In the history of the world, some scientists refer to this as the singularity. Professor? I call it transcendent. So, directorial debut for longtime Christopher Nolan collaborator, cinematographer Wally Pfister. And this will be interesting to see how this sort of affects the rest of his career, <laughs> considering this movie didn't necessarily blow up the box office. And so I guess we'll give our own estimation on where we think he has what it takes as a director uh, later on in the show. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! But it wouldn't be a Mad About Movies podcast, guys, if we didn't talk a little bit of movie news. I want to ask you guys uh, if you have anything to bring up for movie news. Richard, do you have anything you want to talk about? I saw that uh, DiCaprio's being eyed for the Steve Jobs role. Wow. Um, a couple sources. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it, it, you know, if it's keynote based, that's a little similar to the Wolf of Wall Street. You know, a lot of him standing up talking. Right. Uh, but could be interesting. That's, that's for sure. What do you guys think? It'd be interesting to see because Jay Edgar didn't work too well for him. I don't right. think the old age makeup didn't really work. <laughs> yeah. He has a very, um, dominant face, right? Yeah. I sure. don't think he can. He, he has a baby really... face still. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it might not work as far as the old age makeup. You know, I would really trust this if, if David Fincher was still doing it with the old age makeup because of what he did with Benjamin Button. And that looks yeah, so sure. great. So I would I would actually rest assured if Fincher was still involved. But who who are they thinking about getting it uh, to direct it, Richard? I, I that I haven't seen. I'm just seeing, I, uh, uh, I I would imagine they they maybe were trying to lock down a, a star and then see if they can bring on a director. I don't know. I, I saw. Uh, I think that they are they're getting Danny Boyle. Okay. <laughs> I don't see that working as well as a David Fincher would for this particular yeah. project. Not that Danny Boyle's not a competent director. He's fine because he certainly had his share of great. Great work and great films. You mean but, one? No, I, li- I like a lot of Danny Boyle's work. Do you? Okay, um, I need to go through and Train see. Spotting, 28 Days Later, just to name a few. You're, um, you're right, you're right. He, he has Slumdog Millionaire, of course, the Best Picture winner. Good, great film. Uh, but there is a... Overrated. Yeah, maybe. 
but it's still a good film. Uh, yeah, there good. is, there's not really a way in my mind that I can see Dana Boyle fitting with this project at this particular yeah. moment. Uh, not to say he couldn't do it and make an Aaron Sorkin script great on film, because I think most directors in Hollywood can do that. Uh, it'd be inter- it's going to be interesting to see, though, how a British director takes on this story and whether that will have any influence on how Steve is portrayed or anything like that. But, I mean, I think there are other names that you could get in Hollywood that would be a better choice. It, it, it's just not a Danny Boyle-type film is my right. issue. Yeah, I I'm I like Danny Boyle just fine, but I this seems like an an odd choice for me as far as the fit goes with the material. I'm with you there. Yeah, Ken. yeah, and I mean might might end up being great. You know, I can't necessarily say it's going to not work with Danny Boyle because I think he certainly has potential to make any project great. But man, it's not my first choice. Definitely, I would I would definitely still probably take Bennett Miller, who we mentioned a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Probably over Danny Boyle at this point, but that's just my personal feelings toward it. Richard, who do you think they should get if not Danny Boyle? Is there any other names that have come up in your mind that that might be a suitable director for this? It would be an interesting. <laughs> this is weird. It, it would because of the technological aspect and and the kind of I'm sure the look they're going to look for for this movie aesthetically. It would be an interesting movie for kind of, kind of like a big action director to kind of like make their small movie. Remember when Michael Bay did like, uh, what was that awful movie with The Rock and Mark Wahlberg? It's Pain and Gain? Pain and, yeah. And he was like, this is a small like character study. <laughs> and it was just rid- <laughs> a ridiculous notion, right? Um, but like if some big kind of action director actually wanted to do that, this would be kind of an interesting script to do it with, don't you guys think? Because it's going to have this sort of I don't know, futuristic, I feel like, and hist- and then also historic aesthetic to it. I think it'd be – someone that's very highly visual is what I'm saying would be interesting, like, sure. like a venture. So I think you have a pretty good point, Richard. And a candidate that I didn't really think of before when we had talked about this, um, we got to remember Steve's connection to Pixar and how True. he was a founding oh, yeah. father of Pixar. So maybe an Andrew Stanton yeah. could take good. this over. Yeah. Maybe a Pixar director could – you know, a Brad Bird or someone like yeah. that could do it. I think that That's would be a actually a cool idea. That's a really cool idea. You know, they could they could lend some of their personal insight onto how Steve was as a mm-hmm. as a person to this film. I think that I think that they should go that way. Not to say that Disney will let those people out of their probably Disney <laughs> affiliations because this this is a Sony movie. But I mean, that would be an interesting choice, and that that's probably who I would target if I was the person. You know, trying to get this sorted out. So, uh, any other candidates? That's a good idea. Yeah, for real. Thank you. I will be sure and forward that to them. <laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. Leo, I'm not so sure about. Like, he, like we said, I think he has a baby face, uh, but he is kind of in Oscar mode. I mean, anyone that sees this script in this subject matter, this Aaron Sorkin with Steve Jobs, is gonna say, well, "Man, that's got potential right there for a great performance." So maybe maybe Leo's just like, man, I'll just do this, get the Oscar out of the way so I can focus on my – people will stop asking me about it. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, interesting. He's done a lot of similar work though in the past few years, J. Edgar and um, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, just to yeah. name a few. So those are, those are my thoughts. It's not – not to say he wouldn't do a great job. It's just um, I think he's done that type of performance many times in the past. So sure. I'd like to see yeah. him stretch a little bit. Um, yeah, 
It'd be so. good to see him do something like uh, like Shutter Island again. Like not necessarily like that specific sort of thing, but just go do something that's not Oscar re at all. Just like go do something fun for once, and then come back and do. Yeah, more Oscar Beatty stuff, which uh, is fine. Like I'll, I'll watch him in anything that he does, no question. But um, take take a breathe, take a year off, Leo. Go do uh, go do something fun. I agree. I mean, I think there is something to that. Um, I think when you can you hunt the Oscar down too. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think you can sometimes get some bounce back from the voters. You know, it's yeah. like Carl Malone or somebody very obviously hunting a. NBA championship ring and just going team to team until he gets one. Right. I think sometimes karmically that comes back to bite you. So the key is to kind of do obviously do those type of movies every couple of years, but then do some other kind of more fun stuff to uh, you know make it make make it aware that your your sole uh, value of your career is not going to be determined by this award. That a lot right. of times is the better way to go about it. I'm with you there, Brian. No, totally. I th- I just think that this project has a lot of potential awards potential. Especially, mm-hmm. I'm probably from yeah, a, writing totally. per, a writing perspective. Uh, totally. It's going to lend itself to a lot of criticism, speculation. It's going to be a very big movie, I have a feeling. So I think I'll, Leonardo has to weigh a lot of those factors in when he's making his, his decision. He's not my first choice to play Steve, but um, I, I do think, uh, and I made my, my feelings clear about Leo as an actor. I think he's a perfectly capable actor in, in pretty much any situation. So uh, it definitely, I would definitely still see it, though. That, that, it yeah. d- does interest me. It really does. So, I mean, I don't know that he's going to measure up to Kuchar, but, you know, give it a shot. <laughs> well, very few can. Up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we've got a little bit of sequel news. And I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with this. I know you probably have, Brian. The long-anticipated, much-awaited sequel to the 1990s hit, Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> what? <laughs> is in yeah. development. Are you serious? You didn't I'm see that, kidding. Brian? No. That blew, blew up the internet a couple days ago, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I can't. Guys. They tried it a few times. They can never get a script that works. I know uh, Bonnie, what's her name, tried to write one a few years ago, early 2000s. But uh, now apparently they have another script in the works, and Williams is in. Everyone apparently is in except for uh, Mara Wilson, who has come out and said she will not be a part of it. Great, <laughs> because she's done so much lately. Yeah, well, she's like a writer now, yeah, and yeah. she's really uh, severe looking. You know that when she was such a little girl, she was so cute. I think it would really. I don't think she'll be missed. I think it'll scare <laughs> people to see what she grew up into. <laughs> uh, Brian, elaborate on your thoughts a little bit. I mean, I think Mrs. Doubtfire is fine for what it is, like a 1993 comedic romp for Robin Williams dressing up like a woman. But what in the world about that lends itself to a sequel? <laughs> How does that even work? What's he going to – I mean, his, is he going to like – is he now a bad grandfather and he's got to pose as the British maid so that he can get close to his grandkids? Is that what we're going to do? Because yeah. that sounds terrible. Yeah. I don't want to watch that. Oh, jeez. That might be number one on the list of just completely and totally unnecessary sequels. No one needs this. Well, yeah. We are also getting a Farscape movie because that's needed because of the hit TV show Farscape <laughs> from the late 90s. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely definitely up there. Um, I, 
I'm not a huge somehow, and I'm the perfect age for it. So everyone, my friends was, but like Mrs. Doubtfire is not nearly as impactful to me as far as those like early '90s comedic things as much as like even something stupid like like to me, Billy Madison means more than Mrs. Doubtfire, which I think is weird. Yeah. Um, but most people are all maybe they'll feel like they'll get that nostalgic box office. Oh. I don't know. There's no way. There's no way this succeed. This is going to be like a major success. I, well, ugh. they do know ugh. that like Robin Williams is on TV now because his film career is right. You know, you can only make so many RVs and old dogs <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> or can you? <laughs> Hopefully, it's not the last yeah. we see of those two Man. franchises. But continue, Richard. <laughs> RV two. Yeah, <laughs> be just, be I, I can't. I, I, I'm pretty sure they already made RV two with Cuba Gooding Jr. But I could be wrong. Oh, okay, I don't know. What about? Uh, can we get a sequel to One Hour Photo? Yeah, <laughs> it'd be fun. One of the <laughs> one of the few highlights of his acting career, I would say. But. Continue, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a lot. I like Robin Williams, especially when he goes dramatic. Obviously, he's great in Good Will Hunting and won the Academy Award, One Hour Photo. Um, Insomnia, right? Right. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of really good performances by him. But <laughs> I don't know. He's going to be in drag with a Scottish accent in, 20, <laughs> in 2016. <laughs> a scant 26 years after the original, right. whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, Ah. Yeah, somehow I missed that entirely, and now I I kind of hate my life. So <laughs> thanks, guys. I really hope Robin Williams never makes another comedic movie ever again. Like, there's <laughs> just was, no point. You and producer in Stephen both hate him. Stephen hates Mrs. Doubtfire. I like I like Robin Williams from a, an acting perspective. I think he's a capable actor. Like I just mentioned, one hour photo. I think that's a great performance. Um, but it's like you said, Richard. It's 2014. Going to be 2016 when this film comes out. His brand of comedy just does not translate to this no. this day and age. It just doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And it hasn't been funny for over a decade. Yeah. It's just – it's the exact same thing. I mean he's In fairness though, guys, I mean – years. And this is totally playing devil's advocate there. But this came out what, 93? Yeah. Dumb and Dumber did come out in 94. So I right. guess it's just kind of what matters to you, right? I mean maybe there's an audience for this. Like there would be an audience for Dumb and Dumber. Oh, we don't I'm sure there will be. We don't think that's dumb, right? And so and it's only a year newer. Yeah. I uh, think Dumb and Dumber will do way more than Mrs. Doubtfire too. I, I just think it will. That CBS show he's doing is is barely staying on. I mean CBS is only not canceling it because it's got Robin Williams in it. You know, <laughs> Like I, I just don't see how it's going to be relevant in 2016 this. comedically. <laughs> to, to what's already coming out, you know, like the Seth Rogen movies of the world and, and the Judd Apatow's like com- comedy is just in a different place than it was in 1993. Yeah. And Robin Williams just needs to get that through his head. He can't just do the Robin Williams stuff and expect it to get laughs. I just don't, I don't find him funny anymore, really. Or he needs to join the Adam Sandler crew. Just become. Oh my gosh! No. <laughs> take, take David Spade's place in uh, in the Adam no. Sandler crew. No, how dare you, Spade? He's necessary. Ugh. Kevin James. Kevin James is the weak link. Oh, totally. But he's, by the way, it's a really play the Chris thick, Marley play. fat link that falls down a lot. <laughs> he can fill in for Chris Rock whenever Chris Rock doesn't want to do the movie. <laughs> How's that call go every time? 
Like, <laughs> what does Chris Rock think when he reads that script? And he's just been out in the clubs, yeah, working, carving his stand-up act, like just honing it and just masterfully writing this incredible right. hour of stand-up. And then, uh, hey there, buddy. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Uh, hey, we got a new script for you. <laughs> and that call comes in and he says, like, like how does – what think, does he think? I think he thinks $5 million <laughs> and Hawaii. And then I don't have to do another movie for, like, two or three years because I can just go back and do stand-up. Like, That's true. That's true. He kind of just does it. I, I guess I kind of – I don't hate Rock for doing those. I kind of admire No, it. I don't either. I, <laughs> same way. <laughs> yeah. Just do that every three years in Madagascar <laughs> yeah. sequels every other year and, uh, and you're set for life. And I apologize for that terrible Sandler impression. I've, I've never yeah, attempted that. I've never attempted that one really. Wait, that wasn't Sandler? Uh, yeah, it was. He, he's <laughs> going to be on the show next week, Kim and Owen Wilson. Nice. Look forward to that one. And Dirk. Before we move on and talk transcendence – Mm-hmm. Um, like you're so eagerly anticipating. Chomping at the bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit of American Treasures. Ooh, it's been a while. It has been a while. No, I was just saying I just downloaded It's Been a While by Stained. Oh, nice. I was excited. <laughs> just came like a great song. Very underrated. So the way this works is each of us brings somebody to the table, uh, somebody that we think captures what is great or defines what is great about American cinema. These people can be public figures. They can be actors. They can be directors, people that just have an influence on the American uh, entertainment landscape, whether it be through uh, television or writing or um, any other way. Even sport, if you're Bill Walton. Or a sport, sure. Uh, But the requirements are you have to have been in the public eye for 25 years. You have to have a sense of humor about yourself. What's the last stipulation? You have to be born in America, I guess. Yeah, you have to be an American. And you have to have been in movie slash TV. You have to have been in one feature-length film throughout your career, whether it's a cameo or you're playing yourself or whatever. So the American treasures we currently have on the list are as follows, and this is in alphabetical order. Uh, Alec Baldwin, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Harrison Ford, John Goodman, Woody Harrelson, Dustin Hoffman, Tom Hanks, Steve Martin, Bill Murray, Christopher Walken, and Bruce Willis. And in our North American Treasures wing, which are Canadian actors, John Candy, Michael J. Fox, and Martin Short. And in the public figures wing, we have Roger Ebert, Tony, Uncle Tony Kornheiser, and Bill Walton. So who do you guys have to bring to the table this week? Uh, Brian, let's start with you. I'm going to go, so let me pull up my, I I keep a note in my phone with the future American Treasure nominees. Uh, I believe I brought Julia Louis-Dreyfus last time. Uh, Of course, uh, Mr. Bill Walton the time before. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with our our dear, dear friend and and loyal listener, I I assume, uh, Mr. Mr. Val Kilmer. Uh, I'm going to, uh, look. Weirdest guy in the world, <laughs> but I think that that plays into his yes. uh, his sense of humor about himself. Like there was a time, there was no chance that Val Kilmer was getting into this hall in the mid to late '90s because he was too serious about himself, um, kind of a jerk on the set by all accounts. Just and and I think his weirdness was uh, just really kind of holding him back. And then he kind of embraced the crazy 
Uh, and he's, he's hilarious. He's hilarious on Twitter. I truly believe he's intentionally being crazy. I don't mm-hmm. think it's, I, I don't think he's actually crazy. I think it's a, it's a bit. Um, and I, and I like the bit. He's been in some horrible movies over the last 10 years. No question. But, uh, he's got, uh, he's got, he's got Top Gun. He's got Heat. He's got Tombstone. Both of those last two movies are in my top 10 or 15 movies of all time. And, and- of course... He's in MacGruber, so I feel like if you're in MacGruber and you're not Ryan Phillippe, you have the opportunity to be a part of the American Treasures Hall of Fame. So that's my case for Mr. Val Kilmer. Okay. Well, well stated. I, I second it. Kent? Just, I mean, he's in, but your vote still counts. For okay, it doesn't record. count. Um, but for the record. Best two out of three. Yeah, for the it, record, I would say be... no. For the record, okay. I would say no. Make your... Just because, like you mentioned, Brian... I'm not 100% confident that he is self-aware <laughs> okay. about his, the bit. As, like, if you can find somewhere in like an interview or something where somebody is like, Val, why do you act crazy all the time? And he says, <laughs> hey, it's just a bit. Then, I'll, yeah. then I can understand. But right now, okay. I just, he might just be crazy. But it's awesome. But he just honestly might be crazy. So the sense of humor about oneself, I don't know if it's intentional okay. <laughs> at all right. this point. But, but he was in MacGruber, though, which yeah. had shows some sense of humor, right? Right. I mean, he, there's no way he, totally. he's not filthy. Yeah. I don't think he thought that was a real action movie. The way the way he gets in Forte's face and everything is, you want to go? Yeah. No, it's yeah. great. He has he's got some great moments in that, especially that should cement him into the American Treasure Hall of Fame, such as. Shooting someone in the face and then saying, go hang that in the foyer. <laughs> That's awesome. And there's, there's so many others I could name, but I just won't, we won't go down that road right now. Well, let's do it. Let's turn this into a full MacGruber podcast. <laughs> we have a MacGruber podcast. It's currently our most popular let's do episode, another one. by the way. We'll call it Transcendence, but it'll be 30 minutes of MacGruber talk. <laughs> a lot of the same lines, I think, were used, but for different reasons. But, uh, yeah, no, I would say no for Val Kilmer, but, I mean, you guys obviously obviously have a high um, admiration level yeah. for Mr. Kilmer. So I can understand that and I can put him in the American treasure hall of fame just due to that. And sure. you make a strong case. You really do. Yeah. So kiss, kiss, bang, bang too. Super yes. underrated. And he's fantastic in that. No, he's Spartan. a fantastic actor. He really is. Yeah. Spartan is also good. The David man. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. I forgot about that movie. He's a, uh, he's got a Terrence Malick movie coming up. That's yeah. very strange and interesting for him. Christian Bale, Fassbender, Portman. Man, that's solid. So I'm going to bring someone to the table. And this candidate comes to us courtesy of Dan from California. And Dan, you didn't provide your last name, so I can't give you full credit. But Dan emailed in in and said, uh, here's someone we should consider. Hands down, American treasure George Clooney. He says he satisfies all criteria. He's comedic. He has a good sense of humor about himself. He's been in TV and movies forever. And he was also in Batman and Robin, which I'm not sure if he's pointing out as a negative or positive. <laughs> that, yeah, that hurts. Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't bring that part up. Yeah. It's sort of a classic film for being so bad, though. I guess well, you can I still look at maintain it that, way. that if you were going to make an older Batman movie and you had a good script and director, he would be a good choice. Sure. Yeah, it, if it had nothing to do with that that movie, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I just yeah. mean like if you were to redo it, and um, I don't know, you know, kind of like a Nolan type old Batman, and redo some of the comments, and you told me Clooney was doing it, I'd be like, that's fine, perfect. 
Clint yeah. Eastwood's Batman with George yeah. Clooney, oh starring John Hamm as Superman. <laughs> I would totally Jeez. be down for that. By yeah. the way, John Hamm is in Sucker Punch for like five minutes, and he's wearing like suspenders and glasses. It's total yeah. Clark Kent, and he's with Zack Snyder. <laughs> Zack Snyder made Sucker Punch. How did he not like say, "Man, you're obviously Superman"? Yeah, so we, we really don't want to go down this road. That will get yeah. me fired up and angry so fast. Yeah. Like I, I'm still a little angry maybe, about this. Maybe John Hamm was just a total jerk to Zack Snyder because he sucks, <laughs> and then Snyder then just ha- ha- cast Henry Ca- Henry Cavill just to spite him. That's yeah. what I'm going to believe happened. They brought in uh, John Hamm in Sucker Punch, and he's only in, like two scenes, like I said. But he's those scenes are so important to the plot. Like, the movie was awful, and they're like, man, we really need John Hamm to fix this thing. <laughs> and it actually works. Like, what he provides, like, makes a huge difference in the movie. But that's another um, another conversation. So, George Clooney, he was on my list, and I want to thank Dan for sort of uh, moving him to the top of my list and bringing him to y'all's attention. So, case for George Clooney, Brian. Oh, yeah. Easy. I almost brought him up as well. He was on my he was on my list. Yeah, that's that's a no brainer. Not a great director, but we can't really hold that against him. Uh, Great, great sense of humor about himself and his place in the world for sure. Ocean's Eleven's fantastic uh, as a as a comedy. His dramatic works are spectacular. Um, And the great thing freaking Clayton. Yes. The uh, best movie of that decade. Up in the air, he's fantastic yeah. and up in the air. Yeah, um, I think one of the great things about Clooney, I may have said this before on on the podcast, he if he is in a movie, you almost never come out of that movie. You, well, excuse me, when you come out of that movie, you can't see anybody else playing his role, yeah. whether it's Up in the Air or Gravity or The Descendants or whatever it is. Nine times out of ten, you see a Clooney movie and you you come out thinking that that Clooney is the only actor who could have possibly done that. Which is quite a compliment, considering he he is a a little bit one note, and some level like he mm-hmm. kind of does the same thing. If it's a comedy, he does this, and if it's a drama, he does this. So it's 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 an interesting. It's very much like dynamic. James Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Sab- yeah that's same a great, thing. It's same. Comparison. You know what you're going to get every time. Yeah, totally. But so it's yeah, very dynamic. One hundred percent in on Clooney for sure. Uh, Richard, thoughts on Clooney? Um, I'm one hundred percent in on. American Treasure seems like such a. I think everybody would have him high on their have a beer with list. Yeah. Um, and he's done a lot. I mean, uh, you know, it could be kind of uh, uh, blowhardy to talk about charitable things, but a lot of stuff he's done worldwide um, with the Rwanda relief and things like that, not to get too kind of preachy, is really impressive work. Um, right. And uh, Darfur and everything, yeah, 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 and, and should be really lauded. And 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 uh, I think because of his sort of um, his political nature, I think he's noted as a big time kind of um, kind of Hollywood liberal, right? Uh, but I think that automatically makes fifty percent of people hate you, no matter what side you choose. There, uh, but I don't think you can really bicker with the work he's done internationally. And uh, on a serious note of American Treasure, that's always very cool um, to do. So it's like the same thing, you know, I always say this about Bono. I mean, Bono's the worst, right? Like everyone, no one can't stand him. But I mean, he has like literally saved countries and orphans and stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like you can't take that away from him just because his glasses are annoying. And a lot of his songs (laughs) in the last 20 years are bad, right? Like he still has done a ton of work. Yeah. And uh, and and Clooney is is on a serious note has, has done that as well. So yeah, a full. Uh, and then as far as his career, it speaks for itself. Totally in yeah. American. And he'll, 
And he'll wear the vest beautifully. Yeah. Well, the American treasure vest would fit him yeah. great. That's true. Yeah, he doesn't even have to get it altered. He just yeah. throws it on off the rack and it just, just... miraculously fits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love some of the pranks he pulls on people too. Yeah. Notorious prankster. Yes. He always plays a prank where he prints off letterheads from from his friends like Brad Pitt, Matt Damon and stuff and writes notes to people as those people. Like he'll <laughs> yes. write he'll write write notes to hotels as yeah. Brad Pitt and be like I, I just think the, the toilets in your hotel last week were spectacular. I just wanted to let you know. And just like random stuff like that. And he, he did one with Brad Pitt that lasted like a decade, literally, <laughs> before he ever told him about it or Brad ever found out. <laughs> Got so uh, funny. Amy Poehler and Tina Fey after the Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah. He uh, sent them something as Matt Damon and was acting like he was offended by the jokes that they made about him. And <laughs> The one where they're like, Matt Damon, you're basically dog crap tonight. Yeah, in the presence yeah. of all these stars, yeah. and that, he wrote. Yeah, she, he wrote one to them saying that it really offended him. How, yeah, how he was portrayed and all that stuff. Great. And they, and, they and then they sent him like a huge basket, like a sorry basket and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, the way Tina said it was like we we were pretty sure it was a bit, but we just in case it wasn't, we went ahead and sent him like a gift basket to make yeah. up for it. George yeah. Clooney, man, hundred percent. Freaking okay. American treasure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, Richard, any okay. candidates to bring? Yeah, I've got one, and it's. I know we've got to get on with the show, so I'll make my, my case quick, but it's timely. And uh, he's retiring and all this good stuff. American treasure, David Letterman, in the public figures wing. No debate about it. He's in. <laughs> okay, that's so fine. if you have another candidate to bring, I would, I would do that. So that's that yours. Was, that that's was mine. It's the only one I had. American treasure, David Letterman. Awesome. Brian, do you wait for the record? What's your vote? I mean, I'd vote Jay Leno first, but sure. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> yeah. American Treasure, David Letterman. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% agree. I no can't, question. I have no, nothing to say other than can't, yeah. I can't argue anything, anything less than. Please. And he wasn't, he was in a masterful performance in, in Cabin Boy. So that fulfills. <laughs> he was. He was. I forgot about that. Sweet. So that was the only one I was worried about. And, and, you know, he made that nice. work. One of the many great performances in Cabin Boy. Just <laughs> yeah. wear the vest to like the indie track racing that you're so yeah. big on. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. Love to see that. We should really make these vests and just send them to these people. <laughs> we uh, this week we have American Treasure Val Kilmer, American Treasure George Clooney, mm. and public figure American Treasure David Letterman. The uh, the the April class is a no, strong class. Tough class to be. This is getting uh, the list is getting uh, quite large and it's getting intimidating. And uh, it, you know what? When I look at every candidate though, and every person that has been inducted so far into the American Treasure Hall of Fame, which you can find on our website, by the way, uh, just click American Treasures. Um, every candidate is so strong. Like I look at it, and I'm like, man, hundred percent, we made the right choice. We're up, on all we're up to season. twenty people, twenty yeah. American wow. treasures. Yeah, and they're all so strong. I'm I'm pretty impressed, guys, so far. So hopefully this continues, and hopefully uh, the candidates we bring over the next few months and years will uh, be worthy candidates, because uh, there's only a few esteemed people that can gain the title of American Treasure. Even we're not we, – we curate this Hall of Fame, but even we're not American Treasures. Right? No way. Not even close. We're yeah. not even close. I mean, we're I'm closer just... than you guys because I've been in the public eye for five years longer. That's, that's true. That's <laughs> that about is it. true. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. 
With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, guys, let's move on. Now let's talk transcendence. Will's body is dying, but his mind is a pattern of electrical signals. We can upload his consciousness. We can save him. Not like this. Assuming that this works, if we missed anything, a thought, a childhood memory, how will you know who you're dealing with? So I should preface this review by saying, uh, this is the same issue that I knew I was going to have going into the film. And the issue that I brought up a few weeks ago when we talked Captain America, the Winter Soldier, um, the idea or premise of uploading somebody's conscious into a computer or for somebody to become a computer, it's just not a premise I can get on board with. I just... The execution of Transcendence is uh, admirable, I would say. Um, the ideas that are presented in the script, which was a blacklisted screenplay a few years ago, so it got quite a lot of attention on the unreleased screenplay circuit. Uh, I'd say the ideas are fleshed out pretty well here. Um, the concepts that are brought forth are attempted to be explained but I suspect if you can suspend your disbelief enough that you could enjoy this film. Uh, but for me personally, I just can't suspend my belief enough um, to where a person inside a computer makes sense to me. And it's something that I can just accept um, as science fact. So that's my thoughts on the initial uh, side of things. But Brian, what are your thoughts on uh, Transcendence, your initial thoughts? Yeah, I uh, I mean, I was really, really not excited about this movie at all um, going in just because of everything about it. But uh, and, and Johnny Depp certainly 
doesn't help. You think it's weird? You think like if somebody got I don't know time traveled from two thousand and three or something and heard <laughs> us just dogging Johnny Depp on a pretty routine basis, would you yeah. just be like completely confused? Because yeah, there was a time when Johnny Depp was the number one, not just like movie star, but like if he's in a movie. You're expecting great things out of it, whether it's small or big or whatever. But man, it what a different time. Anyway, um, I was not expecting much. I was I was dreading uh, heading into the theater, and uh, for about an hour, hour fifteen, I was a slightly pleasantly surprised. Like it still wasn't something that I was I was really into. I was kind of bored throughout a good chunk of uh, the first two acts. Um, it it lost me really hardcore in the third act. I felt like yeah. uh, there was a major major logic leap that I could I just couldn't get on board with. So um, better than I expected. I really expected this was going to be like something that was going to be on par with Draft Day. <laughs> I was really dreading you know backing going back to back Draft Day with Transcendence. Um, and but it really wasn't it wasn't nearly as bad as I, I anticipated it was going to be. But I think there's a there's some major script issues, and I am not personally impressed with uh, with Wally Fister's directorial uh, style first first time around. So um, could have been a lot worse than I thought it was going to be, uh, or excuse me, could could have been a lot worse than it than it is. But not uh, not quite. I don't think I don't think it quite hit the mark of what they were going for. Let's put it that way. Richard, initial thoughts. Yeah, I think um, I think this could have been kind of an interesting. It certainly feels like a uh, an interesting short story, like sci-fi short story you'd read in some sort of anthology yeah. or a short film. It wasn't ready to be stretched to, into two hours. Um, the ideas just weren't nuanced enough. There are these kind of broad philosophical kind of standard sci-fi ideas, which are always kind of interesting. I'm not a huge sci-fi person, but I certainly see the, the value in it. And, and, uh, I think it really could have worked condensed, uh, drawing it out really kind of highlighted a lot of weaknesses and logic and things like that in the script. Um, uh, from a performance side, I thought Depp was fine. Uh, obviously there's a lot of people that could have done it better. Um, but it was definitely, the best performance I've seen him give in a few years. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that being said, his last few movies have been, uh, on the whole without exception, uh, terrible. So, uh, that, that's not saying too much, but except for Lone Ranger, which was obviously a modern masterpiece, but so you have, uh, and dark shadows. Uh, Oscar-nominated film, The Lone Ranger, by the way. Absolutely. you got to say Oscar, that every time. Sorry, it deserves right? that title. I mean, it earned it. It's my heart so. hurt. Ugh. And also, you have, yeah, Dark Shadows. Um, what was the one, he, the information, or what was the one he did with Angelina? The Tourist? The Tourist. Oh. Uh, Golden Globe nominated. Golden Globe the nominated The Tourist. Won a lot. <laughs> Gervais's best bit was that year. <laughs> um, but this was, like, this was, to me, a, a, a very thoroughly okay movie. A lot of that, like Brian, helped by the fact – two facts. One, I expected very little going in because of Johnny Depp's last few movies and the trailers for this movie are terrible. Yes. And, and which, without exception, again, to use that phrase, is the fault. This That is why this movie made no money. I, I really think in the modern 
kind of movie age. I don't care really who your star is. I don't care how many talk shows they go on. I think 60, 70, 80% of a movie's success is from the trailer. And, I mean, look at Superman last year. Of course, that's helped by having Superman. But, you know, not a huge cast. Big movie had a just kick-butt trailer and, you know, made a lot of money. I think a trailer is huge in terms of the marketing, and this trailer was terrible. So it was helped by the fact that I had very low expectations because of that. It was also helped by the fact that the last movie I saw was Draft Day. Yeah. And oh, anything, yeah. anything by comparison uh, seems like Citizen Kane. And, uh, and then it's just kind of... To me, it, it, it wasn't necessarily the most original idea. I've certainly seen things like this in sci-fi before, but uh, there is a uh, – it was an original movie. It wasn't a sequel or really like an adaptation of anything I was aware of at least. And to see like an original movie that wasn't draft day was uh, – you know, even Captain America, which was great. I've seen Captain America before. This was like kind of something new and original and a new world at least to go into. Granted, that world at times was awful, uh, but at least was kind of interesting in parts. And I, I found myself thinking in this movie, um, whether that's superficial or not, it, at, at certain times it was kind of thought-provoking, uh, but also kind of obvious at times as well. So that's, it. that's my kind of run on it. But it was, it was fine to me. It's a throwaway April movie. It's probably, honestly, might be the best movie of the month aside from Captain America, which is so sad. Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely exceedingly uh, mediocre, competent, I guess, competent for what it is. Uh, it reminds me of Oblivion last year. Yeah. Uh, I probably liked Oblivion more. Yeah. Me too. Me too. But it, um, it's sort of the same thing. There was kind of a – I don't know if you guys got this feeling. Uh, maybe it's Fister's directorial style because we've never seen it before. Um, it's sort of M. Night Shyamalan. I felt I don't know if it was the okay. script or or what, but there was just some some elements of implausibility that are yeah stated as so matter of fact here. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. like yeah. with like with him in Night Shyamalan, um, like the happening um, to be specific. Um, some of the some of the things like the the way technology works in this film, uh, you have to assume that I guess. We, these people just live in a different society than we are because they make references like Killian Murphy makes references to like 2012 is when we discovered this. And now it's two years later and we're just now able to take advantage of this technology. So they're saying it's in present time, but there are so many aspects that like it would never work in present time. Like why, why, why say the date? Why make it present time? If it doesn't work, like why, why don't just leave the date ambiguous, you know? Mm. And I think it would work um, a lot better that way. But I just don't buy the fact that you can plug someone's brain into the internet and they become a computer. Like, that's, there's, there's no explanation given uh, at all on how that can be technologically possible other than that's what you do. You just plug this plug into someone's brain and th- then it happens. You know, that's, that's the explanation. And um, a movie like Inception, which we will talk about next week, so... Look forward to our throwback Inception episode coming uh, at the end of April. But the way they the, – the whole first act of Inception, the first third or more than the first third of Inception is setting up or it's explaining how this is all possible, how, how we can hack into dreams, why we're able to do it. And it makes pretty much perfect sense. By the time they actually start going into dreams, the audience understands how this is possible. Johnny Depp in this movie – 
is a computer in the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's no gradual, like, we need to try to at least break this down into kindergarten terms for these people. Like, it just happens, and you have to accept it. And then it gets more and more, like, far-fetched as the movie goes on. I, gr I agree with you, Brian. The third act, to me, just got so ridiculous that all I was rooting for was Paul Bettany. <laughs> like, through, yeah. like, Paul Bettany was my favorite part of this movie, and I did not expect that at all. But I just... Um, it, it lacked direction towards the end. Yeah. And it got so crazy. Like, okay, now, now I guess he can heal people. Okay. Now I guess he yeah. can create people from nothing. It was just, he went from being a, a scientist dude to basically being God at yes. the end of the movie with no real explanation for that. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's what killed me. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm okay with, you can plug a guy in a computer and the consciousness becomes, you know, AI, artificial intelligence or whatever, just because, I mean, obviously I don't think that that's possible or anything like that, but I, I, I think with a sci-fi movie, your goal with a sci-fi movie is to create a world and the rules that that world is governed by. And then you, if you stay within that world, then you're okay by my book. Like you, you just have to, you, you have to stay within the reality that you create and okay. You're going to tell me that it's that these the smartest people in the world have come up with this uh, ability to be able to, to figure out how to put a person into computer form. Okay, I'm fine with that because that's what that's the world that you're telling me that exists. Where it lost me, and I guess this is spoilery, so if you haven't seen it, you yeah. can cut out now. Um, where it really lost me was when he goes from, okay, he's a super artificial intelligence that's connected to the internet, so he can kind of see anything that's happening on anything that's connected to the internet. All right, fine. Then all of a sudden, he controls the dirt and the earth. Yeah, and that like was weird. all these, like, and I guess the bit. You mean was your, garden, that, your garden at home isn't run through your PC? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, Weirdo. the scene where uh, Bettany and, the, and the, the soldiers attack the compound and they shoot that guy in the hand, and then all of a sudden, the dirt just swells up and restores the guy's hand back to, yeah. to normal. And then it just gets, it just gets crazier and crazier from there. That to me doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't jive with what has been previously stated as the world in which we live in this film. Don't you, you know, know I mean? Ryan? Johnny Depp is connected to the internet. So anything that is connected to the internet or anything that exists basically is Johnny right. Depp. Right. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, they made a big push about like the nanobots and all that stuff, but I don't, I don't, I just don't see, I don't see how those two things work with each other. Like how, and it, it seemed like somewhat of an unnecessary thing to add in until you get to the very end of the movie and it's like, okay, well this kind of had to happen for them to be able to have the conclusion that they, that they wanted. But I just felt like that last 30 minutes, I wasn't totally in up to that point by any means. And the last 30 minutes just like, jumped off a cliff of logic and just made a huge leap that I don't think makes sense even within the rules of a world that tells me that you can plug a per a dying man can plug into uh, a computer and suddenly become an artificial intelligence like that was a bad move in my can opinion. Can we get uh, whoever did the World War Z final act to come in and redo this one? Yeah, yeah, seriously. There's got to be a script doctor out there somewhere <laughs> that can put that better together better but i think honestly i think that it shows you've got a first-time director and what basically amounts to a first-time screenwriter um working right. together and and neither one of them 
I don't think they really knew how to finish this story. And, and if they, if, if they did have a more cohesive story, I think something got cut somewhere that made it, uh, whether it's actually, you know, a scene or whether somewhere along the line, they decided we have to streamline this script. I just think they, they jumped to this place where you, that doesn't make sense. And then they based the entire third act off of this logic leap that doesn't fit. You know what I mean? You, this whole movie is a logic leap. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, but again, if, if you tell me – you set up the rules in a sci-fi movie. Like any sci-fi yeah. movie, you have to create your own rules to make it science fiction, and that's fine. But you set those rules. You have to live by those rules. You can't then – oh, yeah, by the way, he is also controls the earth and the sky and everything. that Like he's basically God at this point. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't work with what – what was set up for the first hour or hour and a half or whatever. Um, so that to me is, that's the, that's the screw up. That's, that's where I, I'm completely, completely out on it. The, the setup in itself is so ridiculous, which is half the reason the trailer is so terrible. Yeah. Because the line that this whole movie is based on is a computer that has the collective intelligence of everyone who has ever existed in the history of mankind. Like when you have that, you can do anything with this movie. And that's just not like a, a concept that makes for a good film to me. I just don't think it is like, it's so generic. Um, it, you can, you can put in nanobots like you said, Brian, and, and have it make sense, but why, but what does that serve the story? Just because, you can do it does not mean it's the it's the way that this story needs to be told. Right. Um, I don't understand the cloning aspect of it. I don't um, no. understand a lot of of the goals of Johnny Depp's character. I know he just wanted to help people, um, but I don't understand why converting a, an entire town into himself is helping people yeah. necessarily. And um, that's the other thing. You, you have this debate throughout the movie of whether it's actually Johnny Depp or not. Yeah. And then you get like at the very end, like, yeah, oh, it was. Okay, it was Johnny Depp. But then that doesn't <laughs> – then that makes a lot of the other things that happened up to that point not make any sense. You know? Like right. it, it needed to be not Johnny Depp for some of the earlier plot points to make sense at the end. And the FBI gets a, a hint – that he is in this town building this facility, and they're like, "Where is he?" Well, we know exactly where he is. And then, and then the next scene, it cuts two years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> Why didn't like, they not just go here. arrest him? Yeah. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah, just go nuke that immediately. Yeah, like, that's, that's the answer. But yeah. By the way, clearly the same town from the original Thor movie. I don't know if you guys noticed that. <laughs> same set, exactly. They just. redecorated everything yeah it was absolutely but uh man a lot of this movie i just could not could not get on board with technologically like i said it's watchable i mean it's surprisingly watchable for how inconsistent uh a lot of the technological aspects of this movie are considering it's somebody's first directorial effort and somebody's first script uh, i'm assuming uh not not a complete failure certainly better than the um critics are saying it is i mean i didn't yeah. I, I was 100 percent more offended by draft day than i was this movie, oh no question sure. the fact no. that this is 20 percent right and that is 60 something is ridiculous and almost yeah. invalidates rotten tomato not that it's rotten tomatoes fault but invalidates yeah, it does to me it yeah. really does to me i can't look at it the same after these past two weeks that's for sure um but guys can we go two weeks 
Without getting a cremation sequence in a film at all, we have more ash disposal in the past two weeks since the Big Lebowski. Yeah. The whole good night, sweet Prince sequences. It, it was it was a cut scene, but I read a script and they did uh, throw those ashes out over the lake on the first the, the day of the draft, just to uh, <laughs> to honor Kevin Costner's father. Yeah, well, um, that's the only day it can be done, guys. Don't you know? Uh, two um, hours before the draft, they were sitting on the lake uh, dumping the ashes there. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. Kent. There's a there's so many issues from a script standpoint, from a directorial standpoint. But I think Richard, you're you're right. I think the reason that this is watchable is almost, I mean, I would say ninety percent of the reason is because the cast is pretty good. Even Johnny Depp, who I don't feel like has cared about a movie that he's done in a decade, is pretty good. I think Rebecca Hall is great. Yeah, I so. I, I I have a I have a big crush on her. Um, and I think she's really good in this this film. And Bettany is awesome. Like He's this very is good. the Paul yeah. Bettany that we're that I thought we were going to get, you know, however many years ago. And then it's just been such a strange, strange career for him. But uh, yeah, the cast is really good, and I think it saves this from becoming a total disaster. If you have the cast that that M Night Shyamalan had for uh, the happening. This still isn't as bad as the happening, but it's not much better. You know what I mean? Like this is they're they're saving the day here. I think. Yeah, I agree, man. Evelyn was a good character, and yeah. uh, there was definitely like biblical uh, parallels here with this mm-hmm. storyline. Did you guys get that? Yeah. I saw this no. on Easter, so it was a very Easter story to me. <laughs> Her name is Evelyn. I thought it was a Mary Magdalene sort of reference there, and uh, Johnny Depp after you know coming back from the dead, I, so to speak, when his physical body uh, appears. Uh, a lot of religious parallels with this story. I think that's why it was on the blacklist a couple of years back. I think that's why Wally Pfister, like chose this for his first project. It's got sci-fi elements, but there's also so many like religious like um, parallels that can be drawn and, and psychological parallels. Like you said, it, it, it did make me think more than I – had anticipated or wanted to think in the movie. Uh, there is definitely something to be enjoyed here. Um, surprisingly for me, uh, not, not to say that I want to see this movie again because I kind of don't like, I don't really see a point. No. Um, but it's, it was fine. I mean, I didn't hate myself when I left the theater and I didn't hate Johnny Depp more than I did. Um, I actually liked him a little more than I did when I went into the theater, which was definitely um, very surprising for me. It's so. weird when he in the third act though, where he had the white face paint and then, <laughs> with no explanation. I knew that. when when he goes into like the cancer mode where he gets radiation poisoning at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, the, here comes the face paint. I was like, by the end of this, he's going to be solid white. I just know it. <laughs> it didn't happen. Um, it was also interesting. Why was there a bird on his head though? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting that uh, the computer version of Johnny Depp had John Lennon glasses on. So he's like, all right, well, you have to look normal. He's like, can I at least wear my John Lennon glasses? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can have your glasses on while you're uh, in I guess, AI. Gosh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, Teeth in? <laughs> so, yeah, that was a little Im- implausible, the fact that uh, the AI has to wear glasses. But uh, that, that's <laughs> – it's so can, silly to can, complain about such things, though. He it can really cure is. that man's total blindness, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he can't get rid of his farsightedness. He can replace all organic life on Earth as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> the glasses look really cool, guys. Give him that at least. <laughs> That's his look, man. Yeah. At least he wasn't rocking like thirteen kerchiefs like he does in real life. 
Yeah. <laughs> Corolla has a uh, Corolla has a theory that if you just grab one of Johnny Depp's Jep's scarves and just started unrolling him, that he would just disintegrate. <laughs> he's ninety five percent scarf. That's fantastic. I haven't heard that. Uh, any more thoughts, guys, on transcendence? Uh, the only other thing I would say is that it, it, it definitely feels very old fashioned. Like it, this feels like a movie that should have come out somewhere between the net and like Johnny mnemonic or something like that in the, <laughs> the yeah. mid nineties. It's, it's just, and it should have, I saw somebody review, I wish I could remember the, the, uh, the critic, but somebody reviewed it and basically said, it should be a horror movie. Like this should have gone the horror movie route. And I think that's spot on too. I think that could have made it take a different path that would have been more interesting. And I don't yeah. like horror movies, but I think there's there's elements here that could be definitely used for that purpose and probably better than they were used for, for what they sure. ended up going with. So I just I don't know. It it wasn't horrible. It just needed to be pushed in a different direction and I think probably needed a different director and a different uh, screenwriter. Sure. And the thing, the trailers are pretty misleading. Terrible. I think a lot of the, a lot of the success or lack of success with this film has to do with the marketing materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people are in my boat men- mentally and just can't get on board with the, um, artificial intelligence premise. Totally. And, um, yeah, it's just the way things are explained is just not very clear, uh, in the trailers. And so I think that, probably had a lot to do with it. You're right, Brian. I think this could have worked uh, if it went darker than it did. Mm-hmm. I was expecting uh, Depp, once he became the AI, to wreak havoc or right. at least pose some sort of a threat. But I didn't feel that threat uh, throughout the entire movie. And so maybe that had a little bit to do with my um, lack of enjoying most of this, too. Uh, Richard, any thoughts on Transcendence? Uh, fine. Yeah, honestly, a nice... If it, I was dreading this movie, and if this yeah. is, and knowing that it wasn't back to back with Draft Day of just absolute <laughs> crap is uh, is a relief. And you know what? If this is an April movie or a March movie, uh, it's like like you said, Brian. It'd be better in January, February. Could have made more money, but they can do a lot worse than this. It was it was fine to me. It wasn't Draft Day. No, no, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, guys, grades for. Uh, for transcendence, I'm gonna give this a B minus. Okay. So yeah, low, low B could have been a lot better. That's my my thoughts, Brian. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a C. That last. I was bored throughout, so that didn't help. But the the last act is is bad to me. That that really that really derailed what should have been. An okay movie just became an like I didn't hate movie. So C, C yeah, minus, yeah. something like that. I agree, uh, Richard. Yeah, I'm gonna go C minus. Okay, cool. Hopefully, the dog days of April are over. Nope, they're not. No, nope, we have nothing because <laughs> we're not even doing a movie next week because it's <laughs> so bad. There literally isn't anything coming out that's that's like even. Um, Close to being worthy of a podcast, but yeah, and there's like a couple of small movies, but I don't even think we're going to get them here. So to be able to see, so I guess we're just holding on for Spider Man. Yay! I think that Transcendence, when it's all said and done, guys, will be just an extremely forgettable film. Like I just yeah. don't see how anyone in two years is going to be like, you know, tr- if it not for Transcendence, I don't think I would have gotten into the movie making business. You know. <laughs> <Something like that. laughs> I just think it's an extremely mediocre, like, 
All right, let's see what these guys can do, this director, and see if he has anything to offer us at all. And uh, it remains to be, remains, uh, to be seen. He said, uh, Fister said he's going to uh, step away from cinematography and focus on directing for at least the immediate future, which is disappointing uh, because he's a great uh, cinematographer. Uh, so, guys, let's move on and uh, let's do Weekly Recommends. Weekly Recommends. So I'm going to kick off Weekly Recommends this week, and I'm going to call dibs on this because I'm sure you guys are going to want to recommend it uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, premiered last week, the day no. we recorded our last... I'm sorry, Brian. The day we recorded our last podcast, uh, I we recorded it, and then uh, it premiered that night, so I didn't get a chance to mention it in that episode. Uh, but FX's Fargo has made its premiere, has made its debut, and uh, for me personally, it is just about everything I could have wanted it to be at least from the pilot episode which was about an hour and a half which is only like 10 minutes shorter than Fargo the film <laughs> yeah but yeah. man glorious what wow. a great world that they've created here the Coen brothers world that they've mimicked um, such great casting uh, incredible characters already from the first episode Billy Bob Thornton and this already might be the best character he's ever played <laughs> and we've seen one hour of it and uh, Martin Freeman uh, I was worried about his accent, how that was going to play out, whether he could disguise his Britishness and go for the Minnesota nice aspect, and he did, and I sort of uh, stopped thinking about it five minutes into the into the show, which was a pleasant surprise. So, man, this, is, this honestly, guys, might might be the best show ever. It has the potential to be that, <laughs> that good. It really, really does, as far as um, where it can be uh, seasons from now. So, uh, Brian, you obviously saw it. What would you think? I loved it. I thought it was it was everything that I wanted it to be. Um, it's just, I think it's got a great a great relationship with the movie Fargo. It's not yeah. really a remake. It's not it's it it's not even in the same um, town or anything. It's just kind of like it's almost like inspired by the movie Fargo in a way. Um, and I just man, I love it. I love what what they're doing there. Billy Bob is incredible. I'm so excited to see what they do with all the supporting cast because they have so many great uh, actors and like people that I'm excited to see like Colin Hanks do what he's yeah. doing on this show and I'm always excited to see Odin Kirk um, and and have Freeman do something different. This is I, I'm I'm really stoked about where this is going and I love the way they're setting it up because it's like ten episodes and it's a special event or a uh, what is it called a uh, not a mini series anymore. It's like a Whatever they're calling it, they may not do another season. We're just kind of up in the anthology. And Anth- yeah, kind of. And and I love that. I, I like that. Let's just see what we can do in ten yeah. episodes, and then if we want to, if we, we need to go forward and do do another season or two or three, great. That's fine. Um, I, I love that that style of of TV make filmmaking. So oh, I, I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Richard, did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet. It's it's. Uh, I, I need to. Pop it on my on demand or something. Yeah, you need out. to watch it before tonight. Second episode comes on tonight, okay. so I'll probably uh, have to do it, a little man. a short binge maybe this weekend or something. Watch the first two. Yeah, it's great. Man, FX by the way, my favorite network. network. So, favorite easily network, my seriously. favorite cable network. It really uh, is like unbelievable. If, you, if I had to choose between even like HBO and FX, I would take FX. They have most of my favorite shows these days. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, with uh, with Fargo. <laughs> And the Americans and Sons of Anarchy and Justified. 
Yeah. And American Horror Story and Archer and Louie and Wilfred. It's just not even funny how great their stuff is. And they've got two more coming. This The the Strain, the Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. And there's something I just saw. It's like a – oh, what's it called? Dang it. They're, anyway, they're advertising something in Fargo that also looked fantastic. They're they're doing they're doing next level stuff for sure. They're going to take over AMC when or for take AMC spot I think in the public eye. Um, oh, I think they already have maybe. Sure, I think Walking Dead still makes AMC like such a huge thing because it's yeah. I mean that's the biggest show on TV just about. But as far as like their entire uh, stock of of uh, shows. They don't have anything left. I mean, it, it, it's Walking Dead, and then it's like they keep trying these terrible shows that aren't working. Yeah. And when Mad Men's over, what I don't know what they're going to do. So yeah, FX, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Brian, we can recommend. Yeah, I, uh, so last week we reviewed the worst movie that I've seen in quite some time. Obviously, uh, in Draft Day, please don't see it. Um, but another Kevin Costner movie just celebrated its 25th anniversary this week. And, uh, so I, I, I wrote something about it. that's going to be on my blog, uh, either tomorrow or, or Thursday. Uh, but I went back and watched, uh, field of dreams on Sunday. Um, and I, I love the movie. I, and, uh, it's been, it's probably been five or six years since I've watched it. Still have yet to make it through that movie without bursting into tears and blubbering like a little baby child. Uh, but uh, I think you could definitely make the argument that's the best sports movie of all time. Um, and I, I'm not prepared to argue but against that. Ahead of, sure. ahead of Joanna Man? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I mean, agree to disagree, I guess. Whatever. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> look, look, that's why we have a movie podcast, so we can debate these things. Uh, when are we doing our Juana Man throwback episode? Um, Not soon enough. Richard and I already did it, actually. <laughs> oh, man, you guys didn't even invite me? It's for our own no. personal use, actually. Yeah, Not, for, wanna, Not for a release, yeah. Yeah, yeah. nice. It's a warm-up episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, 25th anniversary, Field of Dreams is a great movie. Um, it, I think what makes it so great is that it's it has so little to do with sport in a lot of ways. Like, it's telling uh, a very traditional american story but through the medium of baseball i think is is the best way that i could put it so uh love the movie i love costner in the movie um it, it you know there's certainly some parts that are look a little cheesy now um as opposed to when it first came out but you i've seen it so many times that those don't matter to me anymore um but yeah check out field of dreams if you've never seen it and if uh if you haven't seen it in a while and you haven't cried in a while, then uh, check that one out. It'll help get that uh, get it out of the system for you. Yeah, I love that movie. And we should have brought it up more last week when we talked draft day. Should have brought up uh, Kevin Costner's good sports films. Right. He just needs to keep doing sports movies, but hopefully not ones like draft day. <laughs> right. Hey, idea for a movie. Sequel to draft day. Hear me out. And <laughs> the Browns have made the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. And because we don't follow logic anyway, we make this weird jump that the, the teams in the Super Bowl get to pick the Halftime Entertainment Act. <laughs> and they choose the Now You See Me Magicians, and it's a crossover, <laughs> and then they rob the Super Bowl. <laughs> in? You guys in? Yeah, let's get Thought the Kickstarter so. going on that. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll find out. There's no way it can be worse than the original. On, well, both, but on both fronts. <laughs> here's the main question, though, and this is this would probably be the main conflict, I would guess, if they made this movie. 
um, who directs, Ivan Reitman or Louis Luthier? Because that's that's well, a big issue, I think. Hey, who directs, Joel or Ethan Cohen? <laughs> that's how I would answer that. Man. <laughs> By committee, Gosh. bro. Well, you sold me. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, great recommend, Brian. I need to check out Field of Dreams again. I need to get that on Blu-ray, actually. Yeah. I really do. I picked, it, I picked it up for like six bucks. It was in nice. like a Walmart or Best Buy, you know, yeah. discount bin or whatever. Boom. Richard, yeah. recommend. Yeah, I've, I've got a twofer. Uh, first, I'll do kind of a traditional one, and it's, it's, it's a second. We rarely do this on this. I'm going to second one of your recommends. Uh, Brian got me hooked on Up, Up, and Away. Uh, oh, yeah. The Montreal Expo's history, historical uh, book. And uh, if Brian's recommendation wasn't uh, good enough, uh, which let's face it, it's not, uh, then uh, I'm going to go ahead and second that firmly and say it's an excellent book. Jonah Carey, great writer. I'm, 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 I'm plowing through it at a, at a rapid pace and, and loving every minute of it. So if you have any interest in, in baseball or really just sport in general yeah. um, or just kind of history, it's kind of a wonderful, in a way, civics lesson about like how cities work and things like that, at least the beginning of it is, yes. and actually getting this – this team um it's really fun it's written brian wouldn't you say it's kind of written like um like one of those eric larson books like devil in the white city or something these kind of like more historical books than really a sports book it kind of is this um historical novel in a way even though it's 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 journalistic um uh it's it's great couldn't recommend it higher secondly and this is kind of grander i'm going to recommend this um if you go to uh if you go to fundanything.com um, I'm going to go ahead and recommend this, uh, and, and I never do things like this, but I'm going to. Um, there, many of you may know that listen to a lot of podcasts uh, that there's actually a, uh, a suit going on uh, that these uh, – if you're familiar with – you guys know what the concept of patent trolls are? Yeah, yeah. Do you guys know yeah. this? Yeah. These yeah. guys that buy these patents um, and then sue people that are – kind of loosely acting upon these patents and, and one of them going on right now is for podcasting and uh, they're, they're suing uh, a few of the biggest um, you know most downloaded podcasts uh, their, their kind of goal is that they, they sue you for an outrageous amount of money Right, and then obviously they make you settle and pay them a licensing fee um, and then kind of eke it out uh, the, the, the podcast they, they sued is, is the Adam Carolla show, the Adam Carolla Network um, and so he is put together a fun anything kind of a Kickstarter uh, move uh, to uh, fight back. It's going to cost a little over a million dollars to fight these guys. And so all the kind of podcasts are networking together and uh, sending their listeners to this page. And if you want to give uh, no dollars or $1 or $20, every little bit helps. Um, I've given a little bit to this because I, I not only am on a podcast, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and love them and I would hate to see them go away. And this is actually a real threat and they, they kind of get this court that's in South Texas, next to Houston, which is no surprise. That is very um, – they sue everyone in this one court system. It's kind of rigged right. uh, because these guys are very lenient towards the patent trolls. And uh, we need to fight back and support. And I know Mark Marin's podcast and the Corolla Network and all the big guys um, in this field are, are – uh, supporting this, and I think we should too, because you yeah. know if they they sue the big guys, and next thing you know they come about come after a little man about movies, and we certainly don't have the money to pay a licensing fee, and we love doing this podcast, and we love talking to all of you, and so I'm going to recommend go to funanything.com slash patent trolls, and uh, just at least check it out and read about it because it's it's certainly uh, an interesting kind of problem, obviously a first world problem, but a problem uh, today. So check Put that out. out. Great recommend. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's definitely an issue that needs to be addressed. 
And um, I feel for those guys. Corolla, especially, I, I heard on his show him giving a, his spiel on why this is important. And man, it just made me want to get into the patent troll business because these people, <laughs> these people yeah. make a lot of money off ideas that clearly aren't theirs. They'll, they'll copyright something like uh, downloading an audio file from the internet and playing it on an application immediately yes. after. They'll, they'll copyright yeah. that. So anything that downloads stuff from the internet and plays audio is therefore in violation of the patent. So I think Corolla is matching to whatever it's given. Um, nice. And so it's going to all go every – and Fund Anything is also like Kickstarter takes a, a piece of everything, but they've actually donated their services on this one. Um, so wow. uh, I'm looking at it now. Uh, 9,677 people given money for uh, a little over $350,000 have been given. So we're going to fight these guys. We're going to beat them because they've never had anyone fight against them. And we're going to crush them in court and laugh at them and keep doing our podcast. And hopefully you guys keep downloading and listening and all that good stuff too. Yeah, so download our podcast uh, a million times just to get back at these patent trolls because we can't <laughs> yeah. do anything about it. Yeah. Um, Great stuff, guys. And uh, Brian, let me ask you, where can I find your work on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bgill 12 or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitter at Richard Barden, or you can find me at fundanything.com. Kent, where might I find you on these interwebs? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. And remember, you can find all of our episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find our weekly recommends on there, our American Treasures list on there, and contact the show on there as well. Just click contact, and it goes straight to us. Well, guys, all right, I'll see you guys next week. And uh, everyone, make sure and watch Inception this week for our Inception episode coming next week. And so on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See ya. Goodbye. Goodbye.